Uh, he had back surgery uh, Monday. A little sore uh, and a little bit of pain and does not like sitting still. So I guess if you want to pray for anybody, pray for Stacy. For those that uh, don't know, uh, a lot of you do know, my, my family heritage on my dad's side uh, is around water. Um, my dad's side grew up on the Kenai Peninsula in a little fishing village called Nanilchik. So for several summers, I grew up, over the summers, uh, fishing also. Uh, I am not uncommon to being in a little 15-foot, uh, maybe 17-foot metal skiff. And uh, it's not uncommon to have wind and waves blowing around. Now, for as long as I could remember, I never once got seasick when I was in something like that. But then I went on a cruise for my honeymoon. (laughs) A Mickey Mouse cruise. It was awesome. And it was the very last day, in fact, the last night when the boat was way out in deep waters on its way back to the home port that the wind and the waves picked up. And we were on one of the inside rooms with one of those closet doors that's on rollers. Yeah, so as the boat tilted one way, thunk, and as the boat tilted the other way, thunk, and as it went this way, what sound did it make? Good, good. We're, we're, and, and this way? Right, back and forth and back and forth. And I have never been more seasick in my entire life. I spent that evening in the loo, or as sailors call it, the head. Uh, for us common folk, it's called the bathroom. It was definitely a dark and stormy night for me. I want you to humor me a bit this morning. We're going to have a little bit of group participation. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read two stories out of the Gospel of Mark, both storm stories that involve wind and waves and boats. And what I want you to do is I want you to put yourself in the shoes, in the sandals of the disciples. So I'm going to read the first story out of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. I'll read it through twice, and I simply want you to, to think about what you would have been feeling in their place. Because at the end of reading it through twice, I'm going to ask you, what emotion did you have? And here's where it'll be a challenge for you. I just want you to use a one, one word. Just tell me what you were feeling in one word. Okay, so we'll do that with two different passages. We'll start with the first one. I'm going to read each one twice, and I want you to tell me what you were feeling in the passage. Make sense? All right. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 39. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up, high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. 
Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now hear this story again. One more time, putting yourself in the sandals of the disciples. As evening came, Jesus said to the disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Why do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. So, one word. What were you feeling? As a disciple in the boat. Yes. Awe. A-W-E. Okay. What else? How. How. H-O-W. We, we don't have to spell all the emotions. Unsure. How. Unsure. Unsure. Okay. Good. Yes. Impressed. Okay. Yeah, your wife's hitting you saying, he said just one word. He said just one word. <laughs> Impressed. Okay. He <laughs> can't help but talk. One word. What were you feeling? Yeah. Amazed. Okay. Embarrassed. Okay. Intrigued. All right. Fear. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes. Gratitude. Gratitude. Yeah. Okay. Put yourself in the story again. Mark chapter 6. This is right after the feeding of the 5,000. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them, but they saw him walking on the water. They cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. And they were totally amazed. For they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. One more time. 
Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. And about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them, but when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then he climbed into the boat, and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed, for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. Another storm, another day. What were you feeling in the boat as a disciple? Relieved, okay? Amazed, okay? Wonder. Okay? What else? Frightened. Yeah, definitely. Intrigued, okay? Assurance. Okay? Obedience. Okay? Glorify. Okay? Anybody else? Okay, so her word was superhero. <laughs> if you didn't catch that on the other side, she said, uh, let's see if I can, if I can uh, say it again. It's kind of like superheroes. Nobody ever trusts them because they've got so much power, and if they go bad, it could be really bad, but, some, but they don't. They're good. Okay? Good. One word. What were you feeling? Tumultuous. Oh, Good, what you, yeah, what she said in one word. <laughs> Conflicted. Can I ask you why? Because I think they were horrified at first, mm-hmm. and, and then he did this thing, and they're confused. Yeah. How do I trust this guy? Right. He's yeah, yeah. Again, ties in with what Stacia was saying. Very good. Conflicted. So last time I preached was November 2nd, and uh, on that day we were finishing up a series on the book of Joshua, and I reminded us that God was calling us to remember, to respond, and to rest. The main story, the the main uh, example throughout that story was my father-in-law, who at the time was in the hospital very sick, and we didn't know uh, how that story would end. Of course, now three weeks later, we do know. And in the midst of these last three weeks, uh, as you can imagine, my family has been in the storms of life. We've been in the storms of life. Storms in life happen. It's a given, right? They happen to all of us. The day before my dad passed, Abby and my, some some of our best friends, they went into labor and gave birth to a beautiful baby boy. Baby boy happened to have Down syndrome. 
And he could not have been born into a better family. This family is going to love him. They're going to cherish him. And yet even in that, this is a storm of life for them. Now storms don't always have to be this big, this traumatic. Maybe arguments could happen where choice words are said that you can't take back. That's a storm in life. A job is lost and there's confusion as to what's next. That's a storm. People get sick, they break a bone, they have surgery on their back. That's a storm. Maybe you wake up one morning and you feel alone and hopeless, lost in depression with no apparent reason. That is a storm. Storms in life happen. Now what struck me about these two stories in our text today was the simple truths in them about the storms in life. Now, we could probably study these things a thousand different ways, but today we're just going to keep it simple. I'm going to look at two different things. The first is this. I want to look at where is Jesus in the storm? Where is Jesus in the storm? One thing to note in both of these passages is that even though the disciples don't know what's going to take place, it is Jesus who is inviting them into the storm. He's saying, let's go. Let's, let's see what happens. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 says this, As evening came, Jesus said to the disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. Mark chapter 6, verse 45, Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake. So in Mark 4, it's like, hey, let's all go together. In Mark 6, it's don't hesitate, go now, you guys, hurry. Where is Jesus? Well, Jesus is the one inviting them into the storm. In the midst of our storms of life, as as things come crashing around us, as there's uncertainty, maybe terror, as, as it feels like life as we know it is about to change, we can find hope in the fact that we know Jesus is the one inviting us into the mess. He's the one saying, come into the storm. In Mark chapter 4, in fact, this is where the the stories kind of diverge a bit. And the answer to the question changes, where is Jesus? In Mark chapter 4, the answer to the question of where is Jesus is simple. He's in the back of the boat. Mark 4 verse 38, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Now, depending on what commentary you read, you'll get two takes on this cushion. One commentary says the pillow was reserved for the reserved guest in the boat, kind of like a place of honor. Another commentary will tell you that this pillow was reserved for the person who it was known wouldn't do any work, wouldn't do any of the rowing or the sailing. So kind of like a timeout chair or, or kind of like a, hey, you stay out of the way type chair. Now, for the purposes today, it doesn't really matter your view on the pillow, your view on the cushion. It's the location of Jesus in the midst of the storm. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus is present. He is there. He is within eyesight. But even with that physical presence, the disciples are still terrified. Can you blame them? 
I mean, listen again to what was happening. Verse 37 in chapter 4. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Verse 38, the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? In the storms of life, there are going to be times when we may see Christ's presence. We may know he is right beside us, but we may still ask the question, does he care? We may still question whether or not he's going to do anything to help calm the raging waters around us. Mark chapter 6, we see Jesus in a different location. Verse 45 to 47. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that the disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat, in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. Where was Jesus? Well, he's not with the disciples. They're in a boat, in the middle of the water, working as hard as they possibly can. Verse 48 says they're rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. Now, a couple of these men at least are seasoned fishermen. So they would have been on the water as part of their life. It was not new to them. I'm sure they'd seen a few wind and wave storms before. But here we find them in our story working as hard as they possibly can, struggling against the elements. They were doing battle with the wind and the waves. In the midst of our storms of life, has it ever felt to you like you were in the middle of the battle? Fighting and fighting and fighting all by yourself? Have you looked around to find Jesus somewhere only to not see him? Live long enough and you'll experience this. Where is Jesus now? In the middle of the time I need him most and he's nowhere to be seen. But we're invited into the storm by Jesus. And our stories show two different locations as to where he is. In one story, he's present, but seemingly not doing much. And in the other story, he's not even within eyesight. Or so it seems. We're looking at two stories in the Gospel of Mark, two storm stories, recognizing that there's a thousand different stories, a thousand different sermons that we could preach from these accounts. Today we're focusing on two things. The first is the question, where was Jesus? And I started with that question very intentionally. I want to give you permission in the storms of life to experience Jesus differently. Every person will not experience Jesus the same. When you're going through the highs and the lows of life, it's going to be different. Yes, there's going to be some of you where sometimes you feel God's presence. Throughout the entire squall that you're going through, you'll have no fear, no trepidation. You'll, you'll have an unwavering peace throughout. And Lord bless you if that's your experience every single time. Because that won't be the case for everyone. There's going to be times where you will turn and recognize Jesus right next to you, 
but it'll seem like he's not doing anything. He's inactive, unaware, present, but seemingly not there. There may be other times where you got wind and waves crashing around you and you're squinting to find Jesus, longing to, to, to make sure he's just right there, and, and yet you won't be able to see him. So you have permission, my permission, for, for what it's worth to experience Jesus differently in the storms of life. Now, you've got that permission to experience Jesus differently I want to show you three things in this text that are going to stay the same no matter what in the storms that we face. Three truths that will not change. The first is this. Jesus is bigger than the storm. Jesus is bigger than the storm. Chapter 4, verse 39. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Chapter 6, verse 51. Then Jesus climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed. Jesus is bigger than the storm. Now in the, as the wind and the waves, as they calmed, surely the disciples had to have thought back to what they were taught in Sunday school. Surely they had to remember that only God can control the elements. The psalmist pictured, he portrayed this wonderfully, Psalm 67. He says, you, Lord, quieted the raging oceans with their pounding waves. In Psalm 89, you rule the oceans, you subdue their storm-tossed waves. In Psalm 93, the floods have risen up, O Lord. The floods have roared like thunder. The floods have lifted their pounding waves, but mightier than the violent raging of the seas, mightier than the breakers on the shore, the Lord is mightier than these. Jesus is bigger than the storm. When Jesus spoke, The elements listened. When Jesus was simply present, the wind and the waves responded. Jesus in the story is bigger than the storm. And I assure you, Jesus in our story is bigger than the storm. The second truth in this passage that will not change is that Jesus knows what's going on. Jesus knows what's going on. He is aware of the storms around him in here, and he's aware of the storms around us out there. In Mark chapter 4, yes, Jesus is sleeping, and it looks like he's oblivious to what's going on. But even with the frantic awakening by the disciples, take notice that Jesus does not have to ask what's happening. He doesn't say, Peter, James, John, quick, fill me in. Help me assess the situation. Those are not his first words out of his mouth. His first words are to the storm. Verse 39, when they awoke Jesus, he rebuked the wind. Be still. Silence. I know what's going on here. Now in Mark chapter 6, even though he's not in the boat Jesus knows what's taking place. Verse 47 and 48, Late that night the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on the land. He saw that they were in serious trouble. He saw that they were in serious trouble. Jesus knows what's going on. 
Jesus sees it. He recognizes it, and he knows what needs to be done. Which leads me to the third truth that I find in these texts. Not only does Jesus see what's happening, not only does he recognize what needs to be done, Jesus acts. He acts. In Mark chapter 4, he wakes up and immediately calms the storm. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus simply joined the disciples. It says about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. He intended to go past them. When he got into the boat, verse 51 says, the wind stopped. Now I recognize that I'm going to brush right past this he intended to go past them phrase. You know, what does it mean? Why was it in there? There's a great dialogue about the ambiguity of that phrase in different commentaries, and I invite you to look it up, study it, spend some time with it. For today, my purpose is not to unlock the mysteries of that phrase, and I'm not even going to touch on the divinity versus humanity of Jesus walking on water. My purpose today is to show you quite simply that in these stories, Jesus acted. He acted. In the midst of the storm, Jesus came to the disciples He climbed into the boat, and the waters calmed, and the winds stilled. Storms in life happen. It's a given. And our experience of Jesus in these storms is going to be different. Sometimes even different on a day-to-day basis. But there are some great truths in these two stories that remain the same. Jesus has invited us into the storm. Jesus is bigger than the storm. Jesus knows what's going on, and Jesus will act. Now, will his actions always look the same? No. They don't in these two stories. Sometimes he will speak. Sometimes it will just be his presence that is his actions. Sometimes he's going to correct us like he did in Mark 4 when he told the disciples, why do you have no faith? Sometimes he's going to assure us like he did in Mark 6 when he said, don't be afraid, take courage, I'm here. Now he may choose to act in other ways also. However his actions come, the stories tell us that he will act. And that's a comfort. You know, in the middle of the continued winds and waves of life, I needed to hear this morning. I needed to be reminded of these. Perhaps you needed that as well. Or perhaps you didn't. And if you didn't, let me assure you, there will come a day where for you it is a dark and stormy night. And when that happens, my prayer is that you'll be reminded of these truths. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the stories this morning. I thank you for the reminder, Lord, that it's not always going to be easy. I thank you for the reminder that there's going to be times where life is hard, where storms hit us, where we won't know what the next day holds. But Lord, more than that reminder, I thank you for the reminders that you are bigger than the storm, that you know what's going on, that you will act. And God, that it's you that's that's calling us into the storm. We can find hope. We can find comfort. We can find truth in these. So be with us, Lord. 
whether we're in the middle of a storm right now or not. And we will be careful to praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.